Welcome back, everybody, to the Star Wars podcast. Today we are recapping episode five of the Falcon of the Winter Soldier with spoilers and everything. So if you haven't seen the episode, go watch it and come back to us. And also, before I, before we introduce anybody here today, I want to say this up top. Just 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 uh, put the nail in the coffin. Uh, if if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, go ahead and subscribe. You know, uh, we'll be here with you every single week, whether there's a show or not. So uh, we would really appreciate that. And the man that you're really wanting to subscribe for is Tommy. Tommy, how's it going? Time to get to work, guys. We're here. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to talk about this week's episode. It really was character heavy. Like, we're going to be character heavy today, baby. Totally. And speaking of characters, uh, I'm really excited about this guest. Now, I don't want to offend anybody listening. Um, I, we've got like... We've got like five or six people that are pretty good at like tweeting at us and talking about the podcast. And I know there are more that that do listen, but they don't tweet at us. So I'm not a wit. Like there might be a Star Wars super fan that I don't know about. And they listen to the episode like 16 times. I don't know. With that being said, I, I think we have the number one Star Wars fan here today. That's Robbie Freeman. Robbie, how's it going? Uh, I am Star Wars is what I want to tell people. I am Star Wars. Uh, I am Star Wars. <laughs> um it's going good how are you guys doing are you the committee that runs us like you're the committee that comes to us and is like you know what you guys aren't stark wars anymore <laughs> you know what i'm stripping you of your titles uh no pension no podcast pension for you guys you know what you're not even allowed to work on neds to classified anymore tommy oh no <laughs> robbie's the head of rfc uh he's he's <laughs> passing the patch act to fix this podcast here today yeah that yeah. sounds about right <laughs> Well, yeah, Robbie, I'm, I, I'm super excited to be here, uh, Mike and Tommy. Uh, I I call you a rear. I don't know if you go by that at all. Uh, I'm excited. I've been enjoying the podcast since you guys launched. I love interacting with you guys on Twitter. Um, I've been fans of you since uh, Rob was uh, saying your name 10 years ago and saying the full name of yours, Arrear Jr. And uh, Tommy, I was a, a big fan of yours on Redacted. And I, I thank you for being my dungeon master. So I'm very excited to be here. Yes, Robbie, and I'm curious. Like, uh, maybe, maybe you want to tell everybody, like, maybe like the history of, like, how did you come to like Marvel, and then more specifically, what you're thinking about uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Sure. So, um, I am a uh, like a movie guy. I was never a comic books dude, um, but I was. I've been watching the movies like as they came out. I've only skipped a couple of the movies and just the bad ones. So, like uh, Thor two, I've never seen which like really was a pain when I saw Endgame. I was like, of all the movies to focus on, um, I was like, really, you're going to do this to me? Um, but I, I recently did a rewatch of all the movies, excluding the bad ones. Um, and I absolutely love it. I love talking. Uh, I love talking like weird theories about it. Uh, I'm really actually enjoying The Falcon and the Winter Soldier or The Falcon and though there's so many those in this name. Um, I actually, I, like in comparing, it's like hard not to compare it to WandaVision. I think WandaVision was more fun week to week to like theorize and kind of talk about, but um, I feel like this show is just making me less angry and like there's less to like, it's just like, and, and also I'm aware that like if I just watched this in a six hour binge, it would just be like a good or decent Marvel movie. And um, that's what I like about it. And I know that like people like us, we just like over devour and overthink about these things and it kind of can nitpick nitpick it to death but like i think that it's just kind of like an enjoyable kind of romp right now 
And I think that's funny that you bring that up of like the pacing. And it's something we actually off off air, me and Robbie talked about is like the pacing of Wanda. And if like WandaVision should be more of a binge show, I think compared to WandaVision, I think Falcon and Winter Soldier is more of a binge. I think it is a six hour movie specifically with this episode. Like this to me was coming down from, from the fast pace of last week, but we've had a week to process last week. So it's weird to go into mm-hmm. this episode and have it be kind of, slower you know dealing with people like licking their wounds and i i wonder if we go back and watch this all as one big thing if it's going to hit hit more you know yeah i think you're totally right there i i think like for instance the first episode to me was like the first 20 minutes of a marvel movie but it was 60 minutes long and this was like the transition from the second to third act and it was like an hour long instead of being 10 minutes and that pacing is really weird but I think if you watch it on a binge, you just be like, oh, cool. I'm getting so much more detail than normal. Um, so and that's how I kind of feel about this episode is like a lot of this is just stuff that would be glossed over in uh, five seconds in a, in a movie. And we're getting an hour of it. So, like, I'm happy about that. I think I'm probably a bit more of like a child when it comes to this kind of stuff, because I, Robbie, like you said, like you, you like watching movies, you like watching TV, you, you enjoy dissecting the stuff and, and what makes them good and what makes them bad. Um, and I realized uh, th- a lot of this episode was like structurally important. It was important for some of our character development. I mean, that's why we're here in the first place is to learn more about Falcon and Bucky. And that's a lot of what we got. But also at the same time, I just need more going on. Like I, I need something more that's going to catch my interest. Like it's just not like it just was like I can't really think of anything that happened this episode. Like, honestly, I, I, I feel like we we're just spinning our wheels. So what really did it for me, and and again, we were talking about this, is the unintentional humor in this episode was, like, off the charts. So while there was, like, some slow stuff, I'm just, like, dying of laughter. Like, literally, when Sarah and Bucky met each other, and and I just, like, I'm picturing Bucky being, like, wanna fuck. And, like, I just, like, like, I'm, I'm, I'm truly a sucky stan. I'm, that's the... That's the name I'm going with. And like, I just thought that that was hilarious. And like, I wasn't sure how, like how on purpose this was. And then like, it clearly was on purpose, but like, there's just like, there's just a lot of funny stuff to like nitpick and just make fun of because like, like what the hell was Zemo's plan? Like, it makes no sense. Like I'm going to escape and then get caught immediately and then be in the Black Panther 2 movie. Like, is that his plan? Like, I I don't know. But like, that's fun for me to watch and just be like laughing at as I watch this. I agree with you. There's fun. And it's funny because I'm someone that like, I think we went into uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier and it's something we discussed in our our pre-show of like, oh, this is going to be a spy movie. It really isn't like, right. (laughs) And maybe we went in with those expectations, but what it is, is something I enjoy is I'm big on dialogue movies. I love character movies. I love movies. Don't give me any action. I would rather have just characters talking. Like I do enjoy that. So this kind of stuff, I think, you know, pump it into my veins, but I understand your, your feelings, uh, Michael. Like I, I, like, I think they're, they're valid. Cause it was, there's a it lot was, in, and we'll get into it. Was it. Slow. A, yes. <laughs> I guess my issue, because maybe I'm used to shows like like Succession, which is literally just people sitting in chairs talking, but it is like the most excellently crafted written dialogue of any show on TV. So it's like, if you're going to have that type of show, I think you just need a little bit more about it to back it up. 
But I, look, I, I'm with you guys. I've got a lot of funny stuff to talk about here. <laughs> yeah, so the I'm, thing I will say going before we jump right in is like, I think the thing and like something we've talked about and something I had to keep reminding myself is like, I do think COVID changed the plans with this. We saw it with WandaVision. Like if we think about the penultimate going into WandaVision, it was kind of the same thing. It was all the backstory about Wanda's past, right? Like it was just like a, like almost like a clip show <laughs> into Wanda's past. And I that feel episode, like- That episode was garbage. That episode was complete garbage. I know, I know you. I know one of you really liked it, and I just came away that episode of TV. I was just like, "Delete this from existence! Like, I don't need this! Like, why are you showing me this? Get out of my face!" And I think, <laughs> no comment. But <laughs> I do think that COVID, and I, I know firsthand. Like, I work in Hollywood. I know firsthand that like COVID affected everything, and I do believe a lot of this there was going to be more showing, not telling. And I think they just ran into the issue of like. Like I think all of the the Isaiah stuff I think was going to be more showing it, and I think they ran into the issue of well we just got to tell you about it, uh, and I think that's maybe you know I don't want to give them the, that excuse, but I do think that is part of it. I I I actually didn't think about that from the Isaiah point of view, and now that you said it, I'm like oh, that would have been a dope flashback sequence. Like, that would have been really cool. Like, show me the Korean War or show me, like, that whole thing. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Tommy's probably right about that. What What's kind of funny to me, though, is that, like, part of the excuse of, like, why WandaVision had that, like, one terrible fight scene at the end of the show and that, like, that they couldn't CGI stuff was that the money on CGI was going to Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And we definitely got that in, like, the opening scene of the entire show, I think we definitely got some of that, but like my question is kind of like where, like where is that? Um, I uh, kind of jumping a little bit into where we're going to talk about, but like I found myself watching the first fight scene and I really enjoyed it. And like um, now when I watch fight scenes, I just think uh, what what would uh, Jalen Jones think of this fight scene? Because uh, apparently she's into fight choreography and that's the coolest thing ever to learn about Jalen Jones. Uh, and I was like, oh, this is pretty good, but like there could have been more there like that. That could have been like an all, like, I don't know. There could have been more, but I like, I enjoyed that fight scene, but like there could have been more. Yeah. So well, speaking of speaking of the fight scene, that'll, that'll lead us uh, <laughs> right in to the episode um, where we get, uh, we get, we, we, this, this was a fun moment in the episode. And again, maybe this is just me being a child that just focuses on action scenes, but uh, yeah, we get, we come right back to, uh, uh, our John Walker and he he's running. He runs back to the warehouse. He's having voices in his head. He's kind of losing his mind a little bit. And then uh, Falcon and Bucky show up and it all kind of goes downhill from there. So yeah, Tommy, I'm interested to hear what you thought about this entire scene. Yeah. I mean, just the opening. I loved the flashback. I loved John Walker to me. And and I was talking to someone else offline and, and something they said to me is like, at a point I did relate to John Walker and I think what makes it so hard to watch, not this is me in their voice, but uh, what was hard for them to watch was the fact that he's trying to do good in such the wrong way. And in his head, he's justifying everything he's doing. And he's, he's so far down the rabbit hole, you know, when like you're in an argument and like, you know, you're at a certain point, I think, you know, you're wrong, but you're already so deep. You just had to keep going. That's how I feel about John Walker in this is like when he's saying like some of the lines he's saying where it's like time to get to work. And he's like, he's like, I had to kill him. It's like, he's, he's constantly with this and he does it with Bucky later on. And even in the court case, he never looks at 
himself. It's constantly other people he's putting the blame on, other people that it's other people's faults. And he's very complicated in that way. And that way I enjoy him. But yeah, this whole scene, I mean, the whole fight with it was sad. It was really sad to see a man like just like be broken. So I want to like I agree that I think your the logic that this person put out is right. But using the word complicated for this character is an insult to the word complicated because this is not a character. It is a deus machia. It is like, like he is nothing. He is literally a vessel for like an evil with a shield. Like that is what I really don't like about him as a character. And what I find frustrating is that like there is potential. There is a way to build him up and give him this backstory of like, he went through really tough times uh, as a soldier and being like part of the whole thing. And like, where I struggle with him as a character is that like, I was on his side for a lot of it. And I think he makes good points. Um, and then he's just bad. Then he just like punches the door and then he just like freaks out. And I am like, I'm upset that I just have not got more characterization from him to really understand why, like what he was when he was good and how he got bad. And that's, he just is bad. Like, it's just like, but I, don't okay, think I'm it's that, I don't think it's, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a bad or good thing. I think he's, he always, everyone has qualities that aren't great. I think the super serum uh, magnified those, right? Like he's shown, I, I think the show did do justice of like showing parts where he's been questionable, right? But he hasn't fully went there. And I think the serum magnified that. So I think I, you're right, but I think it didn't, un, it didn't explain why he was questionable to begin with. Like, like I th- like I think my assumption was that he already took the super serum when he was being all bratty, and then to find out that he didn't, I was like, oh, so he's just bratty, and we don't know why. But it's I, his insecurities. I, like, I think. I think yeah. I talked about last week is like I think, and and I think what you're saying is valid. I think they could have done more with him, right? And I think that's where some of the things I I feel. I think you could have nixed the flag smashers. I think if you just focus on John Walker and you give mm-hmm. him the full the full story, I think you could have done more. But I do agree with what you're saying. I I, I do think that for me and maybe i'm just like drinking their kool-aid a little bit more (laughs) but i i do think like his insecurities where he talks about they weren't even super serums like that or they weren't even super soldiers like those parts are me showing how everything he's doing is is him like really getting down on himself and really being like am i worthy of this title but yeah I, I get that. And I, I think um, this was just like one of my favorite observations is that grief once again is the main villain of of a show. And I just think that like if you're going to use that excuse for WandaVision and you're going to you're going to defend Wanda, like you got to give John Walker the same credit. Uh, like also it doesn't get talked about, but John Walker being named after alcohol is just wonderful. I just love that. <laughs> like, I don't think we discussed that enough, but OK, I digress. Let's go well, back hold to the on fight here because I, 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 I can't <laughs> go over here. I can't believe I'm about to be the one to defend this because so quickly, I feel like I was the lowest coming in and I'm going to defend Walker here a little bit and the character because I I feel like this is something that hasn't really been focused on in the Marvel universe and maybe a little bit with Tony Stark, but I don't, I think it's underrated the pressure that gets put on these heroes. It's almost like John Walker is a child actor, right? He grows up in the spotlight and he's too immature to handle the power and responsibility and the fame that he's been given so quickly. And I think you see that when he's like, he's signing autographs and he's running out into stadiums and there's so much on his back and, and he's just a dude, you know, 
all these other like uh, Iron Man's got his suit, uh, Thor's got his hammer, and and, li and lightning, and all these other heroes. They have they have something greater to them than what John does. So he he's coming in already, seeing himself as lesser than all the heroes, and he's he's doing so much to prove that he's worth holding the shield. And I, I feel like that's I feel like they have done a good job of showing that struggle within them. Did he need like a training wheels villain? Like, did he need like a sea level villain that like allowed him to like find his feet and like maybe protect Cleveland or something like that? And then like work up to pretend protecting the world. Like, cause I think you're right Arir. Like part of that is that he's got this thing. Like, like the government just handled him improperly. They needed to boost his confidence a little. To start. Oh, I mean the government, like we'll get into in the court thing. They, they set him up to fail. And then when he did fail, they threw away their <laughs> they they made this monster and they were just like, all right, whoops. like I guess we'll <laughs> yeah whoops like whoopsie and like yeah I mean I think what O'Rear and and kind of what I was trying to say too is like yeah it's I think they he does have layers I actually like him as a villain because I do think like he's layered but not in the same Killmar like I I want to compare him a little bit to Killmonger in the sense of like they have backstory and they have reasons that they're doing the things they do but i mean killmonger is just right and and, and the <laughs> thing with killmonger is like he's he's right and it's it's built off confidence walker is almost the exact opposite in that way where it's like it's built off a lack of confidence like he hasn't like you said he needed a c-list villain he hasn't beat anyone <laughs> it, it's like he is constantly being beaten by everyone. He's told he's Captain America. I think a part of him doesn't feel like Captain America as much. He's like, I am Captain America. He's he, How has he proven it yet? He's been given this throne with no no ability to prove it. And I think that's why he he's desperate. He's a man that is desperate. Tommy, I don't know if you're watching the same show I am because he has told me a bunch of times that he is Captain America. So you're I right. must believe him. <laughs> you're right. You're right. <laughs> Anytime someone says something, right? Like we just got to take it. I that am Captain out. America. Just like <laughs> I am, I do control Star Wars Pod. It's the same thing. It's the exact same thing. Yeah. Uh, and he's justifying I, everything he's doing. Like, right? Like, even with Lamar, he's like, well, he killed. And many times they tell him, no, he didn't kill. Like, the guy you murdered did not kill. No, he did. Like, I, he has to justify everything. He's, I know, I guess my thing is like, and maybe this is why. Did he, did he not kill Lamar? Like, I was unclear on that. I thought that guy was Car the guy who killed Lamar. Carly totally killed Lamar. Yeah, Carly did. And okay, he, he, he even laid, uh, jumping forward here a little bit, but when he goes and visits <laughs> Lamar's family, they were like, oh, well, did you get the guy? And he was like, yeah, that was him. Like, I, I had to avenge him. I'm like, dude, stop. You're lying. And that's like my thing with him is like, I guess, and why I guess I defend him as a character saying that like, oh, like he's not a character. He's just a plot. Is like, I know people like him. Like, I know people who have to live in their own like reality because it's the only way they can justify their actions. I feel seen, Tommy. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about Robbie. You guys got me. <laughs> I feel seen. Um, a question I do have for you, Tommy, with this fight, and like what I, again, didn't like work out in my brain logistically is we have a brand new super soldier going up against an Avenger and another super soldier. Shouldn't they, shouldn't the Falcon and the Winter Soldier wipe the floor with this guy? Like they should destroy him, right? And like it's a pretty even fight, which is confusing to me. How yeah. is that possible? I do wonder, you know, there's things I believe in, you know, please correct me if I'm wrong. I believe there are parts in the comics and like, I've seen other things where it's like 
you know, this might be me just pulling for things like because it's like fresh in his blood. It's almost like that thing of like he's he's like more powerful at the start and then it's going to go down. I don't know, but that's the only thing that I can like justify in my head is like he just got it in his veins, so it's still pumping. So it's like he's like like maybe a hundred and fifty super super soldier right now. You know, I'll accept well, that as an answer. <laughs> and this is gonna this is gonna be a topic of conversation from my end as far as how do these freaking super soldiers work. And the best way that I can headcanon this situation is the fact that each serum affects everybody differently. That's how I'm going to explain it. I don't know if that's true or not. First and foremost, Sam broke his arm, which Sam is a person, not a super soldier. <laughs> and he he is a super soldier. So how how I mean, the entire thing is super strength, like uh, like he's he's he could like toss over a car, you know, how do you break a man like that? Like, yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. Another one that doesn't make sense to me. And, and Tommy, maybe you can shed some light on this a little bit, but, uh, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but Isaiah Bradley, how, why is he aging? Or, or maybe, maybe he's not aging. Was he always old? Uh, because the whole thing with, with Captain America is he doesn't age and Bucky doesn't age. So again, I have to assume that just each serum affects everybody differently. So they do age the the thing with I mean Cap was in Frozen right so he didn't age while like he's he was frozen um the thing with Bucky was the Hydra would constantly put him back under uh in the chambers every time they it's, use him they would then bring him out again so he they do age but they stop it, them from aging it's the Austin Powers principle um O'Rear. um if you're frozen you don't age yep uh Walt Disney has the right <laughs> idea so uh <laughs> Yeah, that's what I think, but I like I do think the super super soldier serum does further your age, but you're still going to age just like everyone else. Gotcha. So, do we have anything else on this fight scene here? I thought it was uh, a cool scene. I mean, I like I like see I was focused more on the dialogue. Some of the things like when when uh, John was talking directly to Bucky and was like, I'm not like you. Like that to me was big for Bucky's character development. Like Bucky, this whole episode and this whole series has just been, he's trying to show the world and even himself that he's not the winter soldier. <laughs> he's not that person. Yeah. That, that's, that's littered all over this episode specifically. Um, and uh, look, uh, I was a Bucky fan when this started and it's only cementing that for me. Yeah, I really enjoyed. I thought the coolest part was when uh, he breaks the wings. I thought that it was just like a cool badass move. Um, I like. I it's and like as soon as he breaks them, I thought to myself, I'm like, oh, so Sam's just like a dude now. Like he like <laughs> with a with a with a jetpack on his back. Like he's, he's and I was like, oh, that's a really cool like maneuver, and it kind of leads to him giving up the wings to uh, his guy in the chair. So it was it was nice in that sense. I I, I enjoyed that kind of move. Also, is is John Walker's now like key move? Is his signature move just to chop people's heads off? Because constantly he was just trying to get that move in. He was like, "Oh, like let me just sit up, just so I can get my shield into you." Like I was like, "Whoa!" It's, a, it's, a, it's his finishing move. Yeah, I was like, "You did it once out of rage. Now you can't explain doing it to these guys." Like, I will say there was uh, one moment in this scene that I really liked where. Bucky has Walker pinned down and Sam is trying to pull the shield off him. And again, we talk about side-by-side -side comparisons to the movies. This was like uh, a dead ripoff of Endgame when uh, everybody's trying to pull the gauntlet off of him. So I thought that was kind of cool. 
Oh, so the feeling I got was actually this the Civil War fight scene between Bucky, Cap, and uh, Iron Man. That three-way fight was I felt very reminiscent of, the, of that with um, with John as the Iron Man kind of person in this fight. But yeah, I think that works out with also with the gauntlet. I was a little confused to why Bucky's arm kind of freaked out. I was kind of worried that that might have been like uh, the like the side effects of the of like the the, 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 the Wakandans kind of. Uh, doing their little uh, pinch move. And I was like, oh shit, like is, is his arm okay? And then it just like wasn't a thing. So I was like, I guess that's not a problem. Uh, yeah, this is like uh, uh, re- reality TV tangent here real quick. This is like when you're watching an episode and somebody like twists their ankle and like it's a big part of the episode, but then they never come back to it. And you're like, okay, that's going to be the reason they're eliminated <laughs> later on <laughs> in like three episodes from now. But yeah, uh, I mean, we know what it was for, right? It was so Sam could have his moment by himself. So that Winter Soldier has a little like freak out. But I mean, to explain it, uh, you know, he hit the cement wall in just the way that like it made his hand <laughs> fracture. I don't know. Like, <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Robbie, you hinted at this here, and uh, I, I, we get our buddy Torres back, our favorite content creator. He's here, and uh, yeah, so I, this is this is my big question. Walking out of it, um, and Robbie touched on it. Is Tor? Are we getting uh, Tor Falcon Torres next week? Is that what's happening here? I don't know. Next week? I mean, yeah, I guess so. I it's definitely he's going to be Falcon. I think that's hinted at, right? Oh, I didn't even think of that. I just assume well, he, that he ends up with the wings, right? And uh, yeah, I mean, what? Uh, and it, was was it him that in episode one that was fixing the wings? Like he's capable of, or maybe that was Sam. But regardless, uh, I, th- I think he would be capable of fixing them. And look, I'm putting my money on it. I, I, we might be a little bit ahead on the predictions here. Torres is flying in to save the day next week. Is that not what was in the box? I thought they brought the wings to Wakanda to get them all like juiced up. Was that no, it was else? in the it was in the bag. It was in the gym bag. Was the wings uh, that he left with Torres? So yeah, I, I think that's a plausible uh, uh, theory. That yeah, but so in this scene, we get a little. We also get a little bit more light shined on uh, the situation with Walker. They're talking about how this is an international incident, and uh, yeah, they're also this also just this might be like it almost feels not even like the middle of the second and third act, but the end of a third act of a movie, because a lot of this is like, okay, everything's winding down now. And, and a lot of our problems are solved. Uh, Walker Walker's taken away. And uh, Carly's she's, she's gone missing. She's underground. And again, I'm just like, I don't know. May, maybe that just the pacing of the series right now. is just like, I, I just don't love it. I, I didn't love, this entire episode felt like the end of the series to me. Am I crazy? I think you're right. Um, sorry, Tommy, you go. I kind of no. jumped all over your feet there. Robbie, you're good. You, you're you're so, equal to me. So, uh, like, my thought, I, I was super confused when that happened because wasn't the government after these people anyway? Like, wasn't that the whole reason John Walker was befo- uh, following them? Like, they were using, like, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier as basically as bait as the people – doing the legwork to follow along. So like now that the government is like formally involved, like, but uh, they're just like, I'm going to go back to Louisiana. Like I, that didn't really ring true to me. Um, I was kind of confused by that. Like, I, like you said, and it felt like a kind of a false ending to me. And it was like, Oh, like we need to like reset them. We need to reset the stakes of their family life and their relationship. 
before the third act. So like it did kind of seem weird to me. Like why would they just stop their mission? It didn't make sense. I think Falcon need to be clear because I took it as like he's retired. Like this is him. Like he's like he's hanging up his wings essentially, right? Like his broken wings. He's hanging them up <laughs> and he's going Take back and he's taking my broken wings. Yeah, like he's to fly. sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. And he's hanging him up and he's he's in my eyes, and I don't think they made that clear enough, but in my eyes, it was like he's done, he's walking away from it all. And so, like, it was almost like an end, and they need and then and then with the conversation with Sarah, it was like him like being like, No, I'm still needed, and then coming back. So it's like that, it's that moment of like, and we're talking about like the the 14 steps, right? Of of script writing, you always talk about it. It's like this was the moment where it's like they had the giant battle, and it's like He's now done, but then he's going to have something that calls him back into action. He's he's going to have that moment that calls him back. Yeah, and I guess for me, here's another thing I want to talk about. Um, it and jump, we're, we're jumping around a little bit here today, but we get a lot of boat action this episode. And <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, we we're all dying for that. But my thing was, I, I thought that like the first couple episodes did a really good job of like showing us more about who Sam Wilson is and his family. And I, I guess I had pictured like he's get he, we set him up. He learns about his mission. He goes off and does his mission. He completes his mission. Then he comes home and we see everything's nice and he fixes the boat and the, and the story's over that that's more of how I pictured this. And it just felt weird to me that we were coming back to this boat and, like I, I felt like I had enough. I, I had enough of Sarah. I had enough of the boat. Like I get it. <laughs> I, I simultaneously, I, ha- I simultaneously had enough of her, and also was confused to why we weren't seeing her more. Like, like she wasn't there, and then they like she called on the phone. I'm like, oh yeah, she's a character. And then when this episode focused on, I was like, well, at least they're actually doing something with this. Um, I got some serious like Farz Gump vibes from this whole sequence, like just like uh, like Bucky and and Cap and uh, Cap and and Falcon like working on the boat, about to sh- start a shrimp boat, and like I just got I got vibes of like of Farz waving to Lieutenant Dan, and I'm just like I love this. I I, I was getting those vibes, and then they're like, it just it, like I agree, the sequence just like didn't work. Like it just like it was like I don't know, Tommy, did you like it? <laughs> I mean, listen, I've been pushing that shrimp boat since the beginning, but I think in a world where they're not trying to set up the MCU, I think that is your ending, right? Like he goes back and he's, we see him go on the, like start the boat work and that fade to black. I think because this, because they want to set Falcon up as cap, that was never going to happen. They needed to justify how he goes from his extremes throughout the whole series to then taking the mantle. And I think their reasoning was weak. I will, as much as I'm a fan, I do think the reasoning was weak, but I think this moment going back to the boat, going back to Sarah was the only way they could justify. How would he pick up that shield? How will he choose to be part of the thing he's been criticizing this whole time? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, it's analogous to like um, to age of Ultron where Hawkeye is like your protagonist and they go back to his farm and it's like the resetting of the stakes there. So, like, I, I agree with the whole, like, story arc thing. And, like, this is, like, the logical, like, heroes doubting himself spot. It just, like, I, I think it was just too long. Like, I, I think it was just, like, drawn out in a way where 
And it wasn't even fully filled in. Like, I think there was things like where he calls, he's like, do we still have all those favorites? Do mom and dad still have all those favors to call in? And then they just like mention it. And then all of a sudden they're just like working on the boat, just the two of them. And I'm like, that's not like, it, you didn't follow through on anything. Like, why are you bringing that up? Kind of Honestly, that felt like they had to cut a scene because of COVID and we're in Louisiana filming this boat thing. I guess we got to double down and do a lot of this. That's really what I got from it. Honestly. Like I, I really like felt they couldn't like, have extras or anything. Like they couldn't, they couldn't, they had like another, that was going to be like maybe like a uh, five minute, 10 minute thing. And then they were going to go to another area, but they couldn't go to that other area. So they're like, all right, I guess we'll just make this like 20 minutes of the episode in order to fill out the episode. That's, that's how I feel it, it came across. That's a yeah. that's the most generous like way to read it, and I think that that's like probably right. Well, and I will say, if anything, if I if I'm forced to walk away with positivity about the boat stuff, uh, I will say because <laughs> Sarah breaks it down pretty well. She explains like you're a hero in every single way. You're able to go save the world, and then you're able to come back and save your family. And and this does do a good job of demonstrating what type of man Sam Wilson is. And he is that type of man who, who's able to keep this life at home and save the world. So um, it does help his character a little bit in that respect, maybe a little bit too much, but Hey, uh, what yeah. can we do? But I want to go also, back. I think we're all about to do the same thing. You go Tommy. <laughs> I do want to go back to, first of all, before we go to Mr. Walker, I do want to say, I love Taurus. This is trying to talk to Bucky where he's like, Hey, you got your sleeve back. I thought that, <laughs> That line had me dead. I was like, good for Torres trying to make a connection with Bucky somehow. Yeah, that's like, uh, yeah, I just, very funny. Tor- Torres is, uh, I, I don't get Torres in the show, but I, I like that he's there. I can't complain the, about Torres. The comedy is hit very hard. Like when they have like purposely made jokes, the jokes have really landed. Um, you brought it up last week, but it was by far my favorite joke. And I, I, I like went back and rewatched it a couple times where he goes like Nazis, Avengers. And, he, and, and then he's like, he's like, yeah, we were friends with him. Not the Nazis, the Avengers. And I just like thought that was the funniest line of, of like television um, this year. But uh, yes, the, the comedy has been on point, I would say. As a kid who who worked for a theater company, who what we did was we we basically we had a very basic structure, and we would go into rehearsals and we would build the dialogue throughout um, rehearsals. So we were building the script as we go, and that's what a lot of the comedy feels like in this. I feel like they have a lot of input, and I feel like this is like uh, the not the Nazi joke. I felt like that was something that very likely was improved on the spot, and I, I'm getting the vibe of, of a lot of that. And I think that I think that is some of the best comedy you can get one of my favorite comedies is Kirby your enthusiasm a lot of that stuff is improv so again it's like uh I-, I love when they do that I- i'm getting the sense that that's kind of the what the what the feel was on set so i'm all about it yeah well something that was not funny was <laughs> john walker going to court uh man he was being booed at boo boo john walker <laughs> boo <Yeah. laughs> I thought I saw Robbie there. Robbie was in the background of one of the shots, I swear. It probably, it probably was me. Yeah, John Walker's such a baby in this scene. Like, uh, again, he's just like, he won't let it go. Like, you've clearly lost, and you're making a buffoon of yourself by screaming, I, I am Captain America. And it, it's it, not a good look, Walker. Just uh, uh, take it on the shoulder and time to walk away, bud. I, I know that I joked about this before, but I've been in that spot before where like in court? you're no, I, I've been in court before, but that's yeah. a story for a different podcast. Um, <laughs> like I've been the, the point where like 
I feel like if, oh, if I just explain myself, everyone will like totally understand. And like, I've, it's already like been decided. Everyone's already made their decision. Like you just got to take your punishment at that point. And all you want to do is be like, no, 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 no. Let me just explain the context so that like you it's, I promise. And like you, like, as you get older, you learn that like, that doesn't help anything, but like your instinct is always to do that. So like, I did find that relatable where he's just like, but he just killed my best friend and like grief's the real villain. And like, yeah. And like, I was just like, I got it. But like, yes, he was very petulant. Um, it was really, really tough break for him. He goes from like literally the best soldier to a uh, dishonorable discharge like that. Like it's pretty, it's pretty bad. See, I didn't get that he was blaming grief. I mean, yes, he was blaming grief in the grand scheme. I He was really blaming them. Like, again, he's just pushing everything on everyone else. He's like, you made me. He's like, I live my life to your mandates. He's like, this was all your fault. He's like, you built me. And it's like, I'm not, not agreeing with him. <laughs> like, there was a part of me that's like, yeah, I mean, they did really, they put you in a situation that you were set up to fail. They may not have known you were set up to fail, but you were set up to fail and they did not support you. There was no, there was no therapy sessions. Bucky got therapy sessions. Where was John Walker's therapy sessions to get him through this transition period? It's also a classic like MCU government where like, I wouldn't be surprised if Hydra was behind this because like, this was a terrible idea. Like absolutely terrible idea. Like, like, like they knew that like, it's just insane. It's insane to think that this would work. I, I, I see the floor. <laughs> yeah, if you're not going to give him like psychological help, if you're, if you're not going to personally, I think he needs to be in a facility. I think his mind has snapped and he needs he needs much deeper care at this point. But if you're not going to give him that, he needs to be in prison <laughs> like like he uh, he got off pretty easy here no? Uh, if it, w it was because of all the good things he did before, you know that if you commit murder in the USA, as long as you were a good person before you get off, that's just that's just the rules. Well, and it probably doesn't help that he like, or it probably helps him that he's white. Just saying, like, like, yes. that is fact. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. No, that, and again, that's a great example. You have, uh, you have somebody like uh, Isaiah Bradley, who's basically condemned and imprisoned and tested on for absolutely no reason and for being a good hero. And then you have somebody like John Walker, who is a bad hero, and he walks away from it. So. Again, that's more of the uh, social politics playing here, and it's uh, it, it, it's real stuff. So, it does lead to the next scene with the fun, fun cameo that like I had no expectations about, and like they were talking about cameo, who could it be, what could it be, and when Julie Louis, Louis Dreyfus, um, Elaine herself, where it walks on to this the stage, I was just like, oh my god, I can't wait to see this, and she just hams it up so hard, and to have her in the MCU. Um, Tommy, I'm sure you could elaborate on who the hell this person is. Apparently something to do with shield dated Nick Fury or something like that. Um, but I'm, I'm, I was just smitten to have her in, in the universe and I can't wait to see what else she's going to do because she's going to, she's just a delightful, a delightful actress and it's going to be great. I thought you were going to talk about, uh, I thought you were talking the cameo was, uh, John Walker's wife. We <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, she came out of nowhere, huh? Yeah, she comes up and still supporting him. She's so yeah. much thinking that John Walker hey. boy, that that, she, that Johnny she, she's Walker. That, yeah, she's that she's that Wendell uh that Wendell Dom meme of find you someone who looks at you the way that Wendell looks at Dom. So that's yeah. that's what you wanted, wife. Yeah, but no, we do. We see Julia, she's here, and uh I love the way she played this character, this whole scene, and and we can get into who she is, but like I loved the conversation. 
Uh, the card at the end was perfect, like a card that's black and white. Like it, it all just like yeah, they're setting her up. Uh, and yeah, I mean she is who she said right, Contesta uh, Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. Uh, <laughs> Everyone knows who that is, right? Like, like Look, I gotta, I gotta say, uh, for a show called "The Falcon and the Winter Soldier," it's a very fitting name. Let's just put as many words into these titles as we can, right? Yeah. Well, and and Robbie said it right. Like, she worked for Shield. Um, she got into a relationship with Nick Fury. Then she started to flirt with Captain America, and there actually became this like whole love triangle between the the three of them. Well, surprise, surprise, she was a Russian spy working. For Hydra, she does become Madam Hydra, which many women inside Hydra become, but she does become Madam Hydra. So that's my thought. She's gonna revive Hydra. She is going to be this version of Madam Hydra. And uh I don't mind it. I don't mind what they're doing with her of like, hey, these people think very black and white. We're the gray, we're the ones that really see what's happening here. We're the ones that are gonna do by any means necessary kind of talk. She's just delightfully smarmy in this role. Like you can just see her like soaking up the evil and like having so much fun playing this role. And like, she knows that she's going to manipulate the hell out of John Walker. And you just know, like, you know that like the worst thing that he can do is put his lot in with her, but you're just like, do it. I want to see what she does to you. I want to see her just fucking own you. It's going to be great. <laughs> well, no, so you, you had to take her call. Didn't you listen to her, Robbie? Yeah, you gotta call. take the call. Gotta take the call. <laughs> I, I gotta say, again, this is like the first person in the show that has really validated this man in any sort of way. Like, he's finally winning with somebody, you know? And that's that's the way she made him feel, and I felt like it was true to his character to fall for that. So uh, I, I want to say this. Um, it, it's being heavily reported online, and, and it comes straight from the source. So I don't feel too bad talking about this. If you do, or if you are like slightly afraid of spoilers for Black Widow, I, I don't think it's a spoiler because they're talking about it, production and everything. So I think it's safe to talk about. But if, if you're a little sensitive, skip ahead 30 seconds. But apparently this character was supposed to show up in Black Widow first. And due to the scheduling issues with everything going on, uh, Black Widow is coming out later. So it is interesting. I think this cameo was meant to be a lot bigger than it is. And I also want to point out, it's very fascinating that the original release order of the show was supposed to be the Black Widow followed by the Falcon and the Winter Soldier and then WandaVision. And that is completely flipped now. So uh, we're getting things in a much different order. So, yeah, I'm very interested to see. I, I think this is going to be a very important character for the entire MCU. And I'm super excited about it. So she's 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 killing it already. I think it actually played out better in this different order because I think about how awesome episode four of WandaVision was where we got the entire blip backstory and we got to see that all through Monica Rambeau's perspective. I think that would have been neutered if this season of Falcon and Winter Soldier happened first and we would have seen like all this like um, refugee stuff and it was like a big focus of it and it kind of would have been less exciting or impactful and i think like that like like when that monica rambo scene happened i was like oh my god this is happening right now we are getting a reverse blip right now and I i'm glad that it kind of did this and honestly i think this cameo played really nicely because i had no expectations that julie louis Dreyfus would be in this and i like it probably would have been someone that we would have drafted um if uh if the movie had happened first so i'm glad i'm glad i got to be surprised yeah, I do wonder what we're going to think once watching Black Widow, where it's like, 
is it going to hit differently knowing like depending on what the character is if it's a big role sure if it's a small role i think it's gonna like make both feel diminished i feel like that's intriguing i didn't know that and like um i'm interested to see if like maybe they just write her out now or if they uh still keep her in there and if like the because if that was supposed to be first it's not going to have the same punch that this one would have had reversed do you know what i mean well it is i think it's okay because if I understand correctly, Black Widow is going to be a flashback movie altogether. It's going to be setting up a lot. Is that right? Am I? I mean, obviously, yeah. it's going to flash. Yeah. I, I guess the question is, how far is it flashing back? Um, because obviously, Black Widow is dead now. Um, I believe so. it's right after Civil War. If I remember correctly, when I first, it was, or it might even be back before that. I thought it was it's about guy. her train. There, there's a bunch about her training. Like, I think it's going to be all like pretty fat. Like, it's going to be flashbacks on flashbacks on flashbacks. Yeah. But yeah, I think very- it's after she like reveals all basically after uh, or not Civil War, sorry, Winter Soldier when she like released all the information and released like her backstory too, and I believe like that. But I could be completely wrong. I just thought that Shield's involved, so I think that I, I believe that that's Winter Soldierish. But hey, who am I? Uh, Tommy, I'm gonna make up some business cards for Stark Wars. It's gonna be red on one side and yellow on the other, and we will hand it out at our live shows. You know how much we're gonna be confused with like McDonald's. People are like, "Oh, can we get a <laughs> can we get a small fry?" Yeah, yeah maybe me and the other me and the other four people are gonna we'll know what it is at the live show. We'll know exactly what it is. It's gonna be in like a garage. So uh, yeah, but Robbie's still gonna want his. He's gonna know, but still be like, "You guys gotta give me a fry right now, or I'm gonna yeah. tell everyone." <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna narc you out hard for sure. Yeah, so another, uh, I, I guess we'll, go, we'll hop to our next scene here. We get back to the Flag Smashers. Uh, Carly is back at her base, which uh, immediate red flag for me. They talk about how Carly is underground. She is vanished. She's very, this is her specialty. She's very good at hiding. No, she's back at her base, like exactly where they should look to find her. So she's here. And uh, yeah, a quick moment with the Flag Smashers. Uh, anything else on this scene? No. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Uh, there's a there's a doll that they they pay attention to this doll a little too long. Like it's on the ground and they're like, look at this, look at this little doll. Yeah. I doll. Hon- I honestly have been like waiting to talk about a scene and I like am shocked that there's been so much garbage between like like uh him turning over his wings and the scene that i'm thinking about and it just it like really is hammering home like how long this episode was where there was just like a lot of just nothing that was happening in different spots there were great set pieces but like there was a lot of nothing between these set pieces yeah i don't even think like again this was a very minor scene but i didn't think we needed to cut back to the fight like i felt like the scene was completely pointless again i think it makes me look like an idiot for going back to her base <laughs> But There's a uh, couple scenes like that. There's one other scene that I can think of where it's like two seconds. It's the only time we get with a certain character. And I'm like, okay, cool. Right, <laughs> Thanks. I, I will say this might be my favorite scene next, though. We're going back to Zemo. He's at the uh, he's at the gravesite. Was this the uh, Sokovian president or was this his family? This is the memorial. I believe it's the Sokovia yeah. memorial that okay. he talks about in the last yeah. episode. That he's like, have you guys even been to the memorial? And they're like... <laughs> Which I'll say in their defense, they weren't involved in Sokovia, I believe. I don't think either of them were 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 in it. So I don't know why they he feels they need to be there just because they're Avengers. Like Yeah, that uh 
<laughs> I, I don't know. I, I like if you join if you join the FDNY, I feel like you go down to the September 11th memorial at some point. Just like if you join the Avengers, you could probably go to the uh, Sokovia Memorial. I, I feel like that's the least you can do. Yeah, but one is down the road. This one's in a different country. So uh, yeah, they can all know. fly and they all have jets. They all have everything <laughs> like they have no money, but they have jets uh, available to them so they can go pretty easily. Completely. This fair. scene was so this one was very confusing to me because like, what the hell was the point of this scene? Is is this the end of Zemo in the show? And if so, like, why did he escape so that he could go look at the like so that he could be caught like i just didn't understand why this scene happened like I'll what, say this, like, what I, was this i'm glad that i mean zemo uh, what what's annoying to me is the fact that we are going to get another breakout sequence from zemo <laughs> whether it is in this season or mm-hmm. in a different movie he will break out of prison again that's a that's just a fact of course and he's in like the most important prison in the mcu so um but i will say i, I another prediction here I, i'm willing to bet that he gets out in the post credit scene of the finale. Cause I, I do, I think we're done with him. I don't think we need to explore his, his story anymore. Um, but I love Zemo. I think, I think that the MCU has fallen in love with Zemo and I don't think he's done. And I'm excited to see him come back in a different capacity. What do you think? This reminds, me, this reminds me of Darcy. It feels like we're sidelining our best character, like with an episode <laughs> to go, like we're just sidelining the best character. True. Hear me out. What if, so what I think, and I will say, I don't think he, obviously he had some of the, the tools to escape, but I genuinely think he escaped to get rid of the super, super soldier serum. I truly believe that like, he doesn't see himself as a villain, but he hates this one thing. So like, I don't think he minds going back in jail. That being said, I do think he gets released uh, by the end potentially by Madame Hydra. I mean, they really decided to retcon the fact that he's obsessed with Hydra and really focus in on that. Um, there is tons of Hydra where Baron Zemo is involved. Madame Hydra. There should be multiple uh, figureheads of Hydra. That's the big thing of Hydra is there are multiple people that are the, the big honchos. I would love to see a, a, a new Hydra run by Zemo and, and Madame Hydra and all this stuff. Isn't he like against Hydra? Like, isn't like, like I thought his whole deal is that like he hates Hydra because they created Super Soldiers and the Winter Soldier and all that stuff. So shouldn't he be against Hydra? They retconned it, so he's uh, obsessed with Hydra. Um, okay, and that's how he is in the comics. Is he's he's like heavily involved, but I I think even the one that wasn't retconned, he was never not against Hydra. He was obsessed with it, like as a historian kind of point of view. Um, I would say he's not like. Even in that version, he wasn't like gun ho, but it's like they were an, they were an, a means to his end of, of getting rid of the super super soldier serum. But I don't think he blamed Hydra necessarily. I but I, I get what you're saying. Gotcha, gotcha. I, I do. Um, so I came up with a theory um, while listening to your guys' podcast last week. I tweeted it. I don't know if you saw it, Tommy. I think I was talking to Mike. Um, I th- I believe that the people of Wakanda should be grateful that Zemo killed T'Chaka. They should be grateful that this happened because it allowed T'Challa to, to come up into power and it allowed him to kind of rethink the policy of the country. Um, they went from isolationists to non-isolationists. It allowed them to ultimately protect the world because a major battle, a battle takes place there. They take care of, of Bucky because of this. 
And I think that they should honestly be showing a little bit of gratitude for Zemo for kind of changing their political nature and making them a powerhouse um, in the world. Robbie, so this what, what do you think? What do you think about I, that? I mean, you're making like points for sociopaths, you know, like uh, <laughs> I, think I see what you're saying. But at the same time, I think the way they would look at it is this stuff was going to happen eventually. You just didn't have to do it in such a brutal way. I think Killmonger comes in there and he he kicks T'Chaka's ass. And now, <laughs> like, Killmonger is running Wakanda with an iron fist. At least in this scenario, like, T'Challa was able to kind of rise up and kind of do all his stuff. And I just think we should just be grateful to Zemo for, for changing the political policies of Wakanda from isolationists to globalists. It's very results-oriented. <laughs> it is very, say. very so. Uh, that being said... I don't think you can ever say murder just like murder is justified. Like, oh yes, there's other ways he could have went about getting that change, uh, other than murdering their king. So, like, I, 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 you know, good good counterpoint. <laughs> it's like the entire point. <laughs> no, I realize that this take is insane, but I just like. No, I, I appreciate like, the boldness. I was just like Zemo. It's like it's not that bad. Like, what, like what do you do wrong? Like, not, not that much. And like, well, I, I, yeah, like whatever. I'm, I'm pro Zemo. I thought he was the hero of Civil War. Civil, Civil War. Well, speaking of Zemo, we, we get him at <laughs> this memorial. No, you're good. We get him at this <laughs> memorial, and like, I thought this was a good scene with him and Bucky. You know, it was a little dramatized. It was like Bucky emptying the bullets, but like again, I think it goes to what we said at the top, which is Bucky constantly wants to prove that he's not that man anymore. And like for himself, for everyone. And I don't think in the same way that like I think that John Walker doesn't believe he's Captain America. I I think Bucky is and Sam talks about is Bucky is trying to convince himself that he's not that man, even though he's saying he's not. I don't think he fully believes it yet. I think that that's fair. I think that you're right. What was was Zemo's plan to get killed? I was like reading a little bit. Like, was he hoping that Bucky would just like end him and be done with him? Well, or was he like understood that he'd be caught? At the end, of, I think he's. I think Zemo's done with life, honestly. Because at the end of Civil War, he tries to kill himself, and Black, uh, Black Panther stops him. I don't think he had. I feel like he feels like he he's lost his family. He's not able to fully complete his task of eradicating every super soldier. I think he's kind of kind of like John Walker. He's just kind of beaten down, and I don't think he's like depressed. I think he's just like I'm. I can check out whenever. I do not care anymore. Yeah, I think his mission was to destroy as many serums as he can. He succeeded in, in doing as much as he can. And I think you're exactly right. Like, he already wanted T'Challa to try to kill him, and T'Challa said no. And I think that I definitely could see a possibility. I just think he does. I think he's cool if he keeps living fine. If he doesn't, he he's he's cool either way. You get to see either way to win-win for him. What a kind of cool way to to live your life, just being like – don't care if I die. Don't care if I live. Like what? Whatevs. Like it's such a such a freeing way to live. I know it's insane. Also, I, I must, <laughs> no. I, I feel agree. like I'm coming across like a sociopath, but like imagine just like being that chill that you're just like whatevs. Kill me. No big deal. Hey, all you Stark warriors <laughs> out there. You know what? Just just go out there. You know, maybe you'll get hit by a bus, or maybe you won't. Yolo. Like let's just do it. I mean, at least seventy five decisions that I make a day have to do with 
okay, let's let's ensure that I do not die today. You know, like <laughs> like I feel like I'm actively whether it be like a, a subtle food decision or the way I cross the street. Everything that almost everything I do is motivated by not dying. So uh, if I, I guess if I didn't have that fear, which uh, I mean. I think that's human nature. Uh, maybe, maybe I would be a it's, bit happier. So yeah, it's literally built in for a purpose, so you don't <laughs> like, die. <laughs> uh, humans, amazing things. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, we uh, we get them emptying the bullets, and uh, the 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 door Malage shows up again to take him away to the raft. And uh, yeah, this is uh, we, we will be seeing Zemo again. So. Uh, I guess we'll praise go on to be, our next praise be to our Lord and Savior Zemo. Yeah. The Love one you, true, true the one true hero of the dance floor. I think Robbie just wants Turkish delight. Like he's really trying to suck <laughs> up to Zemo to try to get some Turkish delight. I don't even know what Turkish delight is. Like I was actually like thinking about going to the supermarket to buy some so I could eat it on this podcast. And I just like forgot because like who would ever eat Turkish delight? Like, why would I not just get like uh, 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 a take five, which is the best candy bar out there. Just I like agree. And just like crush it. You don't know what it is, but you still want it. You know, it's like that thing that it's that under that, that unattainable thing. Also, if a stranger's giving to me, like you gotta, you gotta try it. Like YOLO. <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> Not this, Robbie. You are going to uh, affect the little children that listen to this podcast. So um, we'll go to our next scene here. And I got, I gotta say, uh, that again, I, I mentioned before, I love the Isaiah Bradley stuff in this show. Um, I think it brings up a lot of important conversations. Um, I, personally, which, I don't think... we are not qualified to talk. We are the worst <laughs> panel to uh, to cover this, so we will do it. Is And here's the other thing. If, if you have opinions on this scene, please let us know, and we'll talk about it next week as well, because I, I do think it's, it's valid, and, the, and there's things that we will naturally overlook as three white men on this podcast. So please let, let us know what you think and uh, listen to other people, listen to other creators, listen to other black people that, that, uh, lo- that watch the show. And cause it, this is important stuff. Now from the show's perspective, I can't see that we accomplished anything more than we did in the last conversation with I- Isaiah Bradley. And, and this is again, and this is, this is not an issue with Isaiah Bradley. It's an issue with the show. And the fact that I, I feel like we're just spinning our wheels. Like, I feel like we just kind of had the same conversation again. And I, I Tommy, am I am I out of bounds here? No, I think it, you could have done this in the first part where it's like you get full Isaiah story. I think we needed to get his full story. I it really felt, and I, I said at the top is like there was a need for flashbacks, and maybe this is because it feels very much like an episode inside a, a Watchmen. If you ever watched the Watchmen, if you ever watched the Watchmen TV shows, uh, there's a scene where they flash back. And I want to say too much because I want to spoil it, but. Uh, and I feel like this reminded me a lot of that. And and I do think a flashback could help here. Um, but off of what we got, it's impactful. It's powerful. It just doubles down on already what they've said before. And I, I understand your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think you nailed it, Tommy. And I already said this up top, but this scene works so much better if the it, like they, they have that beginning of the conversation in the um, – outside and then they move inside and they just continue talking about the same stuff um and i think if we have those flashbacks it's really impact it, it like you really get that it's like more it's more you're watching it it's the show don't tell kind of thing 
Um, I think that's the, the biggest problem with it. Ultimately, though, I think it is an impactful story. I think it was important that we get the details of this to see exactly how screwed over this guy was. And there's also the parallels to like the Tuskegee syphilis experiments that, like, that are very pertinent right now for why like like people don't want to take vaccines. Like they don't trust them. And like all these things really play into things. And as I was reading about it today, a little bit after, like I, I didn't realize how basically the story that he tells is the exact same story as Captain America, except Captain America is like lionized for going to rescue everyone. Like I, I kind of forgot about this. And he has literally been, the, they're like, Oh, like we need to lock this guy up and, and like throw away the key basically. Um, so like, that was a really crazy parallel. And I think, you hearing the story really allows um, Sam to kind of like internalize it and kind of like put his foot down and be like, you know what? I was kind of on the fence of whether I thought this would be a good idea or a bad idea. And I'm just like firmly like, this is a God awful idea for me to be captain America. And it, it really is that setback you need to get him on that shrimp boat with, uh, with Lieutenant Dan. <laughs> Lieutenant Dan. Uh, yeah. Look, uh, uh, I, you know what? Give me the Isaiah Bradley prequel show. That that's what I, that's what I want here. Um, I, I don't know that it hits me as much as as two guys talking in this situation. I would love to see more of the story. And like, I, literally, all joking aside, please give me an Isaiah uh, uh, prequel show. I think that yeah. sounds awesome. Yeah, I would have liked that better than this show. Yeah, <laughs> I think. No. His words are powerful. Though. Like the dialogue is well done. I just think what's hard is I think what you said is like it's easier to write it off as like we already we've heard this. They've they pushed this, but I do think there is power. I mean, the actor who plays I say it just did incredible, and like there is there it is a good scene. I just think it's hard not to go. Why didn't they just do this the first time we met Isaiah? Like why why do we have to wait until another episode to get this moment? You know. So I want to say this, because again, this is kind of what pushed me to my theory earlier that I had, but uh, he does mention that uh, it seemed like all of the test subjects, like they were, they were each given a different type of serum and they're all, uh, they're experimenting on the serum and they were, and they were trying to get different results and some of them died off and, and he got stronger. What I'm wondering though, is do you think Isaiah Bradley has like special super serum powers? Like, uh, does he have like, uh, is he like a different mutation? What would be his uh, extra power? I think um, he's just like Cap and Winter Soldier. No, <laughs> maybe you can maybe you can walk on walls. Okay, Sp Spider Bradley, I'm down. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, another thing that he he really he's really jabbing at Sam a lot here and. And, and his decision to take up the white man's shield, which, I mean, again, we've talked about it, Tommy. I, I don't think there's any any reason that Sam has to be Captain America with this specific weapon. Um, but what's interesting to me, and maybe this is why it doesn't totally land for me, is I, I feel like Isaiah does have a lot of wisdom, and, he, and he's, he's, he's helping Sam out. He's trying to, like, clue him in to, like you're just like a, a cog in this machine and like, it's not going to go well for you. But, and then by the end of the episode, Sam's solution is, okay, I have the shield. Now I'm going to start training. Like, uh, did you listen to anything? <laughs> well, I think Sarah, I, I think Sarah got him there. The conversation with Sarah beforehand, but, and that's where I don't want to undermine this scene in the sense that like, it is powerful. Like that, that line with 
I can say powerful many more times, but that line with where he says like taking up that white man's shield, like it's like that is a storyline we have not gotten. And like, and I, I think it goes to like maybe it's not hitting us the same way because like we are three white men, right? Like it's like it, it, it's hard for us to put the, ourselves in in that situation. We can empathize, but um, I think it's just hard when you put this into an episode that is so dialogue heavy as it is that it almost didn't get the chance to shine. I think it actually goes to, I think you're totally right, Tommy. Like, I think that where it went to in my mind, and again, three white guys, so it's really hard. And I guess we have to pre keep referencing that for fear of just like saying something terrible. Um, but uh, like uh, the way that I, that I really read it is like, if you think about like the feminist movement or you think about kind of like racial equality movement, like the struggles that like an older generation goes through to kind of so that the younger generation could stand on their shoulders. There's a lot of like kind of disconnect between them being like, it's not going to work. And there's kind of like a jadedness and there's that debate for the younger generation to be like, we need to try again. Or some of them are like still jaded and just like, this is absolutely not going to work. And I think that is kind of the discussion that's being here being had here. And I think where Sam ultimately lines up winds up is like, yeah, they, they did shitty stuff. And yeah, like, I really shouldn't trust them. But like, we need, I need to do better. I need to be a better kind of like influence for my nephews and for my friends and family. And I think that's kind of the struggle that all of these kind of things do kind of go through. And that's kind of the conversation that's happening. So that, that, that was kind of my takeaway from it. And I think that's why it kind of it like feels impactful in that way. Look, I, I think I was a bit lower on this team, but you guys have turned me around. And you're right. Uh, this is what I love about this show. You know, like uh, I went to a Catholic school. There was there was one there was one black guy in my class, and he was the only black guy that I knew for the longest time. And like I grew up in a very different situation and I, I didn't I was never exposed to these types of stories. And I don't think a lot of people were. Uh, a lot of people that grew up like I did. So I, I think it's awesome that the show is is telling these stories because I'm learning so much through it. And and they get me in a way that uh, here I am. I'm sitting down to watch my favorite Boom Boom Explodey show. And uh, they blindside me with serious stuff that's going on in our world. And uh, yeah, so look, if, uh, if I had to take it or leave it, I will take it. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, it's what seems like... At the end of the day, it should like all this should make you uncomfortable. Like I know people walked away last week with with the scene of John Walker, right? And people were like, "Oh, it was too much." It was, it should make like it should make you uncomfortable, right? Like it's like this stuff needs to be talked about, and I'm glad it is. Um, and I think the other thing is like, and it's, what we're we're saying is like, we should be learning from this. Take the time, let it be in you. Do do like Sam said, do the work. You know, like do the work. Take what the show is presenting, even if we can sit here and criticize certain parts of it, the message still, and I want that to be known to the audience is like the message still holds true, regardless if we're, if we're saying certain things, you know, aren't working. It's like the messages in the show are, are magnificent. And the fact that we can get a show like this in 2021 is incredible. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the, we're glad to have the scene and, uh, I want, I want to touch on this, uh, back to silly, silly, stuff here uh can i talk about my favorite line of the episode that happens right after the scene and it's completely irrational why it's my favorite line i, I think it mind. might be the same thing so robbie take it okay so my favorite line of the episode is when uh he picks up from when sam picks up the phone and he he dials a number and he just puts the phone to his ear and he goes 
Sarah, I'm coming home and hangs up. Have you ever had a conversation on a phone like that? It is fucking crazy to have a conversation like that. Like, it's not a conversation. Back. It's not a conversation. It's insane. It is did so you, messed up. Did you want the music coming in going, I'm coming home? Like, yeah, coming like, home. Like, like, that would, like, like, could you, like, Tommy, I, I'm going to give you a call. Uh, ring, 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 ring. Tommy, you have to pick up. Oh, you have to wait. I like to wait like a couple of rings. <laughs> You're, okay, sorry, sorry. Sorry, my bad. Ring, 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 ring. Ring, 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 ring. Okay, now. Hello. <laughs> um. Hey, hey, Tommy. It's Robbie. How are you doing? Oh, you know, dandier than a flower. So I'm back in I'm back in Baltimore, and I'm gonna I'm gonna come back down to Louisiana. I'll be coming home soon. Um, or is that cool? Is it cool if I come by? Are you gonna be around? Yeah, I'll just tidy up the house. Okay, uh, I'll talk to you later. Um, bye. Um, that is the shortest the conversation could possibly be in real life. Literally, the shortest it could be. And he just says, "I'm coming home." It's absolutely insane. This is like uh, this. This is a movie, TV, phone conversation to a T. We see this stuff all the time. It's all and uh, <laughs> uh, a TV show like Lost. I-, I love to rag on Lost because one of my favorite things that the show Lost does is you will see a character approach another character and they'll be like, "Why?" And they're like, <laughs> "Why what?" And then they start to explain what's going on uh, and, and like. Maybe that's cool to explore in a TV setting, and and again, I think it's the same. Uh, it's the same concept with the phone. It's like uh, we don't need we don't need to say hello and goodbye. It's just let's get to the point. I'm coming home. I'm 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 obsessed with the, this concept in in TV. There's two other examples that are like my favorite when this happened. So the first is when someone goes to a bar and orders a beer, like, and then a beer is just brought to them. Like, beer, what beer did you? Say. What beer? <laughs> What beer did you order? Like, when have you ever been like, there is one bar I know in New York that like literally only serves light and dark beer. And they would even have to ask you that. Um, and then my set, my absolute all time favorite thing is when a character comes and is like, I need to tell you something like comes over to an apartment. like, I need to tell you something. And then they cut to them like at brunch. And he's like, they're just starting to tell the story. Could you imagine if you went to your friend's apartment and was like, I need to tell you something, and then you waited 15 minutes to sit down at a table to start the story? It's absolutely insane. I would be pissed. I mean, you guys like, are tell totally, me now. You guys are totally right, but I mean, some of it's just like suspending your oh, disbelief, right? Like, oh, we don't oh, want to watch oh, that. Oh, yeah. 100%. Like, I 100% get that this is just like the way that like TV has to work so, and movies have to work so that like... It, like we aren't like saying everything like that's why we don't see characters go to the bathroom but like it, it, I, it just always tickles my fancy when these things happen because they're so silly it's the same way where it's like there's like a serious conversation and it ends on a cliffhanger and you're like well they don't just end the conversation there like how do they get to the point later on like we don't see the resolution of this conversation yeah like i've always like i actually literally did this once because I, I talked about it with my friends but like in seinfeld they're like they'll come over to someone's apartment they'll buzz up they'll go it's me they'll come up have one conversation and leave so i had this running joke with my friends and one time i was in their neighborhood i buzzed up i said it's me i came up i had one conversation with them and then i just left and it was so much fun and so satisfying but it only worked because they knew what i was doing and they knew it was like a bit uh yes we <laughs> we love tv dialogue so uh, okay yeah, yeah. back to well, that was an these... unnecessary mm-hmm. tangent for an hour and 15 po- minute podcast that it's, it's i think we're breaking the record here robbie so we're only, yeah, only two-thirds through the episode yeah we're breaking the record and uh i want to give <laughs> all some... credit to robbie uh, <laughs> 
But speaking of no dialogue, we do get no dialogue with these montages. We get the montage of the boats, which we talked about. The only thing I really want to talk about here is why are they drinking Heineken? Listen, recently I did a beer test where you, you a blind beer test where you tried beer. Heineken was the worst of the blind taste test. I didn't even I notice they were drinking Heineken. I don't think Heineken's. I think Heineken's just like kind of nothing. It's like a nothing beer. I'm telling you, I don't you, think it's blind, gross. Do it blind, and you will not like it. It's yeah, just it's the la- It's just the bottle that makes you think it's better. Yeah, okay, it's not great. I, I'm 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 on your team with this one. I guess they yeah. they're the ones who paid the most money for the spot. Uh, another important thing here, and this is going to be like, I guess a big topic of conversation for the rest of the show is the package that Bucky drops off. And what's weird to me, like there's no doubt in my mind that inside that box is a set of wings, uh, uh, vibranium wings at that from Wakanda. And it's going to be super cool. No doubt in my mind. That's what it is. What's throwing me off is why is it a cliffhanger? Yeah, that was not a cliffhanger. (laughs) <laughs> like what like they wouldn't show us what's in the box i feel like the dude from seven what is in the box and like at the very end he opens it up i'm like okay let's see the cool wings and then the episode ends yeah it, it, like i it, it like annoyed me because i was like it, it felt just like a bad cliffhanger is what well, it, i guess it my like. question is is there more to the box i would say no probably what do you think <laughs> okay <laughs> I think it's, yeah, it's his costume. But, like, listen, you got to save that moment for the finale. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, um, yeah. So you brought up the beers, and I, I got to backtrack a little to this conversation. When they're just, like, tossing around the shield like it's a baseball, like, just, like, having a light conversation, just, like, it's actually, they're tossing it around like a Frisbee, like you would in a park, just be like, oh, hey, Bucky, like, I miss I missed, uh, Steve, and I just, like, toss it against a tree, and then it bounces around and bounces back, and it just, like... <laughs> yeah, they're, uh, yeah, talking about the, uh, <laughs> the, the shield, they, I, I don't get the shield, I, I, the... Uh, Maybe I'm not supposed to. It's a comic book weapon, okay? (laughs) This shield is incredibly dangerous. I don't know how (laughs) Sam could possibly catch this thing. I mean, as fast as that thing's moving, I was getting so worried because that he would throw the shield at the tree, it would bounce back, and if he does not catch it, it is going through the house behind him. That's how fast it's moving. It will penetrate the entire home that is behind him. So, uh, wild weapon. Wild weapon. That's yeah. Also, can it be also can it be controlled by people? I don't understand how it can be controlled by people who don't have super serum in their body. Like, how is John Walker controlling it? How is Sam controlling it? It makes no sense to me. I think it's like lightweight. I think it's like I think that's the the specialty of vibranium is the fact that it is the most power, the most the strongest metal, but also light. And maybe it's like I guess <laughs> maybe it's like maybe. in physics class when you learn how like. Oh, if you take like a, sh- a bed sheet, right, and you hold it like like very tight, it, and you throw an egg at it, it's just gonna hit. But if you give it some some leeway, it's gonna maybe it's like you gotta go with the frisbee. You gotta like guide your hand in so it can just like glide onto your hand. Yeah, it's kind of incredible that it always goes right into those that like belt loop. <laughs> like it's like it's oh. always per- like that's a You're real thread in the needle. There. Imagine if you get like your finger stuck in, like you just oh, like you just miss a little bit. Oh god, just yeah. completely break your pinky. You'd uh, be like Kyle on the challenge. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you guys. Like this is so silly, and it's like, but like, I, 
it's fun. Like I, I like yeah. I'm making fun of it, but it, it's fun. This is yeah. exactly what I was talking about at the top of the episode where I was like, these things made me laugh as I was watching them. And like, I knew that like, like if I, like I knew that like if I were a kid, I'd just be like, Oh, this is cool. But like, because I'm an adult who's watching a, a Disney plus TV show, I'm like, Oh, this is so silly. Let me laugh at it. Yeah. And we, we do see before the, the trees real quick. We, and we've already discussed it is like the Lamar parents. We see uh, John Walker go and talk to Lamar's parents and, and his sister. And like, like we said before, just straight up lie to them and be like, yeah, no, I got the guy. Like, no worries. <laughs> and I think we could talk about the, the stinger in, in tandem with the scene. Um, I was kind of surprised because I was like, so he's just bu- building a metal shield. Like, isn't the whole point of Captain America's shield that it's like made out of like this rare metal and Tony Stark's dad like put it together and like he's just like making him he's like basically taking a garbage can and just like putting it in front of it like what is this thing actually gonna do i'm so <laughs> excited i really hope it plays out like this in the finale where he finally he's suited up in his janky cosplay <laughs> and he shows up to battle and like his shield is destroyed within like the first 10 seconds 100 percent, please please uh, listen tony stark made the iron man armor with a box of scraps <laughs> in a cave <laughs> tony maybe, shark made us in a cave <laughs> maybe john walker can make a mediocre shield in his garage with <laughs> some metal i don't know yeah <laughs> adorned with like purple hearts and medals of honor like yeah it's intense yeah it's intense <laughs> Uh, another scene that we, I want to touch down on and Tommy, I actually want you to break this down for me. First and foremost, it's a, it's another very quick scene. I don't frankly understand what's happening, but Sharon Carter's on the phone. And by the way, the, uh, the, the subtitles of this episode spoiled who she was talking to. I don't know if I was supposed to know that, uh, but yeah. So, uh, Tommy, what's going on here? Why is she having this conversation? Wait, what? Spoil it. Oh, well, it's me. it's Bat Rock. We find out at the end. Uh, I believe I don't know if that was supposed to be connected, but it it said Bat Rock was on the other side of the phone. Who who is Bat Rock? Because I read that <laughs> online also. He's and uh, like I was, and he was like in the scene in New York, and I was just like I don't know who this person is. Well, he, am I supposed to know who they are? He originally fought Captain America briefly. He's like a French uh, villain of Captain America, and he's also he's also the guy in the opening fight scene fighting Falcon. He's and, the leaper. Bat Rock the Leaper. That makes a lot more sense. Okay, yeah, this would have hit harder if I had um, <laughs> just watched the first episode right before this one. Yeah, so I, I think, think that imp- like, plays into the binge of it also uh, as well. I think they implied that it was the same guy, but I didn't I didn't fully know. Like, I definitely had the thought, I'm like, he, you know, he's, I think that was the same voice. But, I mean, the subtitles definitely gave that clearly away. That's crazy. I mean, yeah, I think it doubles down. I am would be very surprised if Sharon is not power broker. I don't know how I feel about it, but it's the only logical explanation right now. Like anything else would be kind of not satisfying at this point. Well, to like, me, this was like the first overtly evil thing she does. And it's kind of jarring because it, she broke the, she says on the phone, she breaks him out of prison and I don't understand why she did that, but like, it, it seemed jarring. Cause I agree. She is kind of, being set up to be more mischievous and possibly the power broker. But I, I just found it so strange that like, there was nothing else that really, I mean, this was very evil of her, right? 
The only thing I will say if she is the power broker, none of her story makes sense then because it's like <laughs> you have so if you're the power broker, you want to keep the secret soldier serum. So you then lead people to go get your scientist, murder him, lose all your serum. And then you're also supporting, you're then going to send um, the Leaper to go help Carly and the Flag Smashers, even though you seem to hate the Flag Smashers. So it it seems like she should be the power broker, but at the same time, like you're you're no your sense. biggest you're your biggest villain. You're you're sabotaging your whole business. <laughs> you're 100 percent right. Like you, you like I have nothing to say. I'm speechless for once. Yeah, you're right. You're just right, Tommy. 100 percent right. <laughs> Wait, can we get that just that clip? The Tommy, you are right. Like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, we need to figure out a soundboard over here because uh <laughs> I got a lot of things that I want to clip. Uh but I want to I want to go back to uh, we talked about the the training montage. But before that, we also got a conversation with with Bucky and Sam here. And again, this kind of felt like uh, this kind of felt like the end of the story a little bit for me. But uh, there's I thought this was probably my favorite scene, the conversation between the two. Again, Bucky. But Bucky is all of us on this panel right now. He was he, he says to to Sam, "I didn't understand the gravity of of a of, of a black man taking up the shield." And again, it's I, I think that is that's all of us, right? I mean, we're learning so. Okay, I'll speak for myself here. I'm learning so much uh, about the black experience through this show, which is awesome. And uh, yeah, what what do you think about this conversation, Tommy? Yeah, I mean, I love just the self reflection that Bucky does there with that line. Um, and I think like Sam gives it back to him. Like Sam gives Bucky a ton of helpful advice um, with this. Cause Bucky says like, he's like, I think I just put too much on you because like, to me, the shield is my family. Like it's all I have. And Sam's just like, listen, if you're so worried about what other people think, like you got to stop that. You just have to know who you are in your actual heart. And like your book, everything, it wasn't about, you know, I think he says, it's like, you weren't amending, you were avenging. You were trying to basically get a bunch of people to tell you like, you're okay, Bucky, like you're good. And like, you need to be the one to tell yourself that. I thought all this was so good. We said that in yeah, episode I, one, Th these were not amends he was making. <laughs> so yeah, I love that that came up. Yeah, for sure. And I think what's this really what I really like about this is connects back to like how Sam meets Cap and how they kind of bond over Sam's ability to kind of be that um, kind of therapeutic voice. And then Cap does that in Endgame, which is like kind of bringing that back. And that's bringing this here. And all I was thinking about is like this is clearly setting up um, him going to apologize to the the dad of the, of the, of the guy he killed in like that flashback scene we saw in episode one. So I'm excited to see kind of that storyline kind of come to a close. And like that felt to be clearly set up. He lives in New York, so it'll all be set up and they'll all be in New York at the same time. So I'm, I'm hyped for that. I'll, I'll go right back to the end of the episode here where uh, we do, we get Batrock and Car and Carly. And this kind of seems like, uh, this kind of seems like, uh, I guess that this is, they're in New York now, right? And I, I'm excited. I'm excited to see, Carly, she's kind of bringing in some of the. I kind of wish Zemo was involved here too. Like, uh, it seems like Carly has her own team. So, yeah, I, I'm excited to see how all this plays out. Yeah, I just still don't understand flag smashers. Like, I thought I did a little <laughs> bit more last episode, 
but this episode seemed to undo everything we got last episode with Carly. I'm not sure. Listen, let's yada yada them. We know it's going to lead to a John Walker fight. Um, but yeah, we see all this and we see them get their hype team together. What was it like? They just sent out the signal and these people were like brainwashed. Were they already flag smashers? And they were like, all right, we're ready. We're just going to hang out in this park and pretend we're on picnics and throwing Frisbees. Like, I think it's the same as what happened in, I think they're all like followers, like Reddit followers, like similar to what um, happened when they like robbed that museum and, um, and Falcon's dude, whose name I've already forgot. We talked about him like an hour ago. Uh, he like, he like goes and he punches someone in the face. I think that he, it's the same kind of thing. Um, it doesn't really make sense. I totally agree. Like I, I, a lot of it's just going to be like, okay, show me what the actual finale of this is. And then maybe I'll try to like retcon what they were trying to do and understand their point of view because it doesn't make too much sense. Can we do that with Stark warriors? Like I, I put out a signal and I, get a bunch of Stark warriors to go out and buy me like a hot dog in New York park. And then they come and bring it to me. If I just like, yeah. Turkish delights rather. If I, you could just like, you could just like at me on Twitter and I'll just go get you a hot dog. Like I, I'm happy to buy you one time. Yeah. But when you're in New York, but Robbie, wouldn't it be cooler if I had like a little app where I just hit it instead? (laughs) You're, you know, you're right. You're right. (laughs) My bad. (laughs) Um, I, another scene here that I'm gonna make fun of is I can't believe there's more scenes. <laughs> I know we're almost there. <laughs> this episode's uh, insane. Really, I, I, I don't have Tommy all my to, to go to the bathroom. Is that where? Is that what Tommy? Tommy seems itchy. <laughs> oh no, I'm always itchy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I gotta make fun of the GRC here because uh, we cut to them. They're they're working to pass the Patch Act and. I, I have no idea what the hell they're talking about here because again, they're just spinning their wheels. It seems like everybody wants to pass the patch act and to bring the refugees back and they have the resources to do it. I, I don't understand what the conversation is about. Just pass the damn thing and let's get on with it. Um, but they get hacked, right? They get hacked by the flag smashers. And uh, we also get to see it again. Torres has his smartphone. He FaceTimes in to give a lead on the flag smashers. So uh, I, I don't know. Did you guys have anything on the scene? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's obviously setting up the... It, it's set up so Sam can, you know, do what he's going to do, right? Like, that's it's all set up. Yep, like, so. I know where that is. It's in New York. Let's go to New York. <laughs> uh, honestly, I, I, I think we've hit the end here. There's... Uh, <laughs> We jumped around a lot. There's a lot of stuff we kind of skipped over briefly, but we talked. We did talk about it. There's a lot of brief scenes here, but overall, this was uh, this was an episode of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So <laughs> I was just about to say the same thing. This was an episode of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Well put. But, but. yeah, I will say, like, I think we needed it because I think otherwise, like, I think I would have been more upset with Sam jumping to be Cap. Like, I I do think they justified it as much as they could in one episode. Uh, how he potentially got there it's still wonky like we said like you have that isaiah conversation um and and we kind of touched on it it's like there was a conversation with sarah where they really get into it and like i thought that was a really touching conversation between them um but i don't know if it was enough to to push him to get the shield you know uh one more thing i want robbie to elaborate on before we close out here uh robbie you mentioned at the top of the show we didn't talk about this too much you mentioned sucky I need to. Yeah. I can't I believe you have sucky. a ship name here already. I stand them so hard. <laughs> Tommy, are you on the sucky bandwagon? No, Sarah it felt Bucky. too for. It felt too forced to be. 
<laughs> what the name or the relationship? The relationship, like it was like they just looked at each other and like I don't know. It didn't even seem like anything. <laughs> I thought they were yeah, like I'm more uh uh Bucky and the waitress. What about Beatrice? I'm team Beatrice. <laughs> so so I'm I'm definitely team Sucky. I, I think where I was, I immediately became team Sucky. Like the second it happened, and then when they actually like acknowledged it immediately after, I was like a little out of it. Like it, it's like you know when you you're into a, a band before it becomes cool. I felt like I was into Sucky before it became cool. Thirty seconds later, and uh, I was a little disappointed that they acknowledged it. But it's just like perfect for like the characterization. Like obviously, like. These two guys, these two guys love needling each other. So obviously, um, Bucky would be like hitting on Falcon's like sister. Like, of course, this is happening. And I'm just like, I anything, any good troll, I'm I'm into it. So that's what I wanted to see. Yeah, I think it comes down to this was a joke. <laughs> like, this is a joke yeah. for the episode. So, yeah, hit uh, us, hit us with the hashtag team Team Sucky or Team Beatrice, so we know which team you're on. I want to know which 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 ship you ship. <sighs> Very important stuff here. Uh, so, so that that'll that'll wrap us up here, um, and uh, that uh, we'll just go right into news and recommendations. Uh, Robbie, I, I know you're prepared. Um, oh, I'm hyped. I've been so, thinking about this. I've been thinking about this for a couple of weeks. I knew I was coming on eventually. Um, I'll hit them quick. Um, the best, pro- the best actual thing that has come out of the DC universe is the Harley Quinn cartoon on uh i believe it's on hbo plus hbo max it is hilarious it is just well done it is a female driven driven comedy passes the bechdel test it is really funny um i highly recommend it i think if you guys i know you guys like invincible um i think that this is my favorite uh cartoon uh superhero cartoon so if you haven't checked that out check it out and then also i'm gonna recommend a more obscure uh like uh this is a what's the name for a graphic novel because I'm I'm not that nerdy. Uh, a graphic novel turned oh, TV man. show, um, Deadly Class. There was one season on Sci-Fi, and I think it's a badass um, TV show that I don't think got enough love. Unfortunately, got canceled, but a really enjoyable like 1980s dystopian like setting in a high school. It's just it's awesome. It's a lot of like exactly what you think it would be. Um, highly recommend it. Uh, those are my two recs. Uh, yeah, I'll turn it over to you guys. Love it. Uh, yeah, so I, I did what I need to finish the Harley Quinn show. I started it. I haven't finished it. I'm just not like I'm not a huge comedy guy. Like uh, things have to be like the yeah, funniest I hate thing to ever. Laugh also. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, for whatever reason, I, it has to be like the funniest thing ever for me to like it. Examples like The Office, like that's one of my favorite shows. And it's because it is like one of the most perfect shows of all time. So um, yeah. I didn't that, realize you were so basic. Yeah, I am very. <laughs> I prefer not to smile. So, if you guys Fair can enough. stop making me do that, um, but yeah, I'll go into my recommendation here. Um, again, I know we've got some reality TV fans listening, and it might even be obvious to most people that uh, I'm going to recommend The Circle. The Circle is back on Netflix. Uh, look, I'm not a Circle super fan. Uh, I-, I think the show can be a little off-putting at times. With that being said, I have to recommend it because we have a friend of the show on the show. Jack Adkins uh, is there. And to be fair, I don't think he actually listens to the podcast, but he's a friend of mine. And it's 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 surreal watching the show, having him on it. I think he's a, he's hilarious. Um, it's a good show. It's a, it's kind of like. Um, 
it's basically a bunch of people in separate rooms communicating on different devices. And uh, some people are catfishing, some people are lying, and there is a game structure in order to win and eliminate each other. So look, I think that's all you really need. And uh, look, if if Jack Atkins isn't doing it for you, uh, Lance Bass. So uh, if that's your thing, go check that out. That's my recommendation. That's what I'm. I'm just recommending what I'm watching right now at this point. So, Tommy, what do you got? Uh, hey, let me hit you with two news real quick. One is uh, an Avatar, uh, the Avatar, the Last Airbender. They finally announced there's going to be a YouTube series. Uh, a new original series is going to hit YouTube. Announced wow. today. Yep. And Ooh. then the, the other is the rumors of John Favreau taking over the Star Wars uh, movies uh, uh, from Abrams, and that's going to be his new thing. There's also a rumor about, you know, this is all rumors, I guess, but rumor that they're going to do something with Ray becoming pregnant with Ben's baby through the same way that Anakin was. Yep, oh, no. yep, 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 yep. That's the rumor. <laughs> I saw multiple articles and I was like, Ugh, I don't know how I feel about this, but uh, Hey, that's the news that's out there. Um, one piece, yeah. one piece of news I did have. Did you guys see how Gulliver's travels relates to the MCU? What the heck are you talking about? Please inform me. Okay. So um, Gulliver's travels is a movie starring Jack Black. Um, that is famously portrayed in an episode of survivor with a giant chair. Um, but Emily Blunt, uh, was contracted to star in this via Sony and had to star in Gulliver's Travels. She was the original choice to be the Scarlet Witch and would have been the Scarlet Witch if not uh, – not Scarlet Witch, sorry, uh, Natasha Romanoff she, in Iron Man 2. She would have uh, been Black Widow and she would have been in the MCU, but alas, she had to be in Gulliver's Travel. And that was revealed in a podcast recently with Emily Blunt, and I just found that news too funny to not share with everyone. <laughs> Is that your official news story? That's my official news story. That's I love what I was it. Really I, lo- I know. I love it. Um, okay, we're running a little long here, so I'm going to throw mine out there, and then we're going to wrap up. Uh, look, uh, anybody who watches the video podcast here, you will see that I have a Temple of Doom poster behind me. I am a big Indiana Jones fan. And look, I know there's a lot of skeptical behaviors going on with the possible upcoming Indiana Jones sequel. Look, I'm not here to argue whether or not you're excited for that, but I'm just going to tell you why you should be. They just added Mads Mikkelsen into the cast, which he's one of my favorite actors ever. And that that is the recent news story. Um, I will also back it up with Phoebe Waller-Bridge is going to be in this movie, and it's directed by James Mangold, who did Logan, which is one of my favorite superhero movies of all time. So I think this movie is actually being set up to be super awesome. James Mangold, also interesting enough, before The Mandalorian, before anything else, he was set to direct a uh, Bubba Fett movie, so uh, again, this is kind of he, he's found his footing into Lucasfilm regardless. So I'm super excited for the upcoming Indiana Jones movie. So uh, that's all I got. And uh, Robbie, real quickly, I, go ahead. Uh, look, this was a wild, this was a wild episode. You made it a lot of fun. Uh, I can't wait to have you on again at some point. And uh, I hope the audience feels the same. So if, if people have fallen in love with Robbie Freeman, let everybody know where they can find more of Robbie Freeman. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Robbie underscore Freeman. Uh, more importantly, you can find me podcasting each week at Kickball Friends. Uh, it's me and my buddy Jesse. We talk about pop culture, TV shows, movies, basically whatever we watched that previous weekend on Mondays. 
Um, a lot, a lot of nonsense, a lot of arguing. Um, I know O'Rear has become a recent big fan of it, and um, I'm we're excited to have him on board. Um, so we'd be excited for you guys to join us. And thank you guys so much for having me. Um, I love I love chit chatting about nonsense like this all the time, and uh, I'm glad that we could we could do it. And I'm glad that you were uh, willing to have me on. So thank you so much. Absolutely, Robbie. This has been a blast. I will put the link to that podcast in the show notes. Absolutely go give that a listen. It is one of my new favorite podcasts. So um, yeah. And also you can follow Tommy and myself. We have our social media handles in the show notes as well. So go do that. And also listen to the Declassified Survival Guide podcast hosted by Tommy Pizzula and Jalen Jones. Yeah. The, I'll fight, put Fight coordinator Jalen Jones. Uh, correct. I'll put that link in the show notes as well because we want you all to listen to that. Um, but that takes us to the end here. I just want to thank Aaron Robertson for doing our music to kick us off here and then Ethan Kellum who did our art. So you can find their social media handles in the show notes as well. And I'd like to remind you guys to rate and review us on iTunes, five-star reviews preferably if you'd like, and uh, tell a friend. That helps a lot. So um, that is all I've got for you guys today. And thank you so much for listening. Uh, Robbie and Tommy, have a great night and weekend. Bye. Bye.